You're wearing a sweater that was selected for you by the people in this room from a pile of stuff. Give me a full ballerina skirt and a hint of saloon and I'm on board. Mm. Welcome to the She Became Visible podcast. I'm your host, Renee Steelman. This podcast is my story. It's your story. It's our story. It's all the stories of all the women who one day knew that it was time to remember who they were, who they are, and stand up and be seen. Hello, welcome. Welcome to She Became Visible. This is um, a, our second podcast for 2023. My name is Renee Steelman and I am your host. And I am going to be joined by my two gal pals that um, help me out um, often with the podcast. We discovered that we all had something in common. And uh, it's one of the glorious things of social media. As as much as people badmouth social media, the beauty of it is the friendships and the relationships that we form with people that we would have never in a million years ever had an opportunity to meet up with. And I have Trish that lives in Washington State and Liz that lives in Utah. And I happen to be in Utah right now. Uh, thus, the uh, beautiful background. We are staying at a town suite, Marriott, and this is the beautiful background that they provide. But today we're going to be talking about our experience with service. And I want to emphasize that one of the beauties that I believe the She Became Visible podcast, one of the things that I believe is beautiful about it is the fact that we are all telling our story. We are sharing with one another. Envision a group sitting in a circle or a semicircle that we've all come to an Al-Anon meeting or some kind of a therapy session where we're each going to share our stories. We're going to learn how to support and be there for each other. And that is what She Became Visible is all about. I am not a historical channel. I am not going to teach you historical facts. I will tell you, if you are not watching Mormonism Live with Bill Real and RFM, you are missing out on the beautiful, beautiful history and things that they share. There are so many other podcasts out there that share, will share with you uh, historical, fabulous, fabulous information. That's not what we're about. We're about a sisterhood. And I went out to dinner with uh, three of my friends in Arizona last night, and we laughed. We uh, kidded. We joked around. And it was so healing. It was so healing for me. And that is what She Became Visible is all about. We are healing each other. We are the tribe that we've lost since the idea of a family became so large. And we have now become so isolated because our family and our, and our group has become so large. And we're missing out and we're suffering because of it. So that's what She Became Visible is all about. And that's what you will be hearing today is 
three women sharing our stories and sharing our experiences. So we're not out here to teach you anything um, other than what we've experienced. And we hope that we can relate and that somehow we can serve all of you through how we've worked out our different situation. So having said that, um, we are going to be talking about loss today. And uh, we have all three lost a child. I recently just lost my youngest son in December on Christmas Day. Uh, Liz and Trish are going to share their stories of losing their children. And the thing that we all have in common is that we were once, once members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and we have all three resigned. And uh, there, and we are, so we're going to be sharing our experience as a member of the church and as an ex member of the church. And it's very, very interesting. So let's start out by talking about um, a little bit about, let's see if I can add this why and who do we serve? How do we decide who we serve and what do we think service? is and who do we think we are responsible to serve that is the question that will start out this conversation so do we serve because we have a love of god and we believe that we are all children of god and that includes everyone who lives on the planet or do we serve uh just our neighbors do we serve only the people that we go to work with, only our, our fellow co-workers? Do we serve only the people that we go to church with? Uh, how do we decide who we serve? And uh, do, we re do we serve all the creatures that are on the earth? Or do we only serve the humans and we don't even think about the lives of the other creatures? So what is service to you? How do you, what do you think of when you think of service? So that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. So we're going to start out. Let me bring on my my cohorts in in uh, crime here. Liz and Trish, welcome, welcome. Hello. Hi. Hi, ladies. And I have to tell you. So I said we we landed in Utah at about 1.30 this afternoon, and uh, it's a little colder than it was last time I was here. Uh, I'm not quite sure if I brought the uh, correct clothing. <laughs> but uh, but Trish, you're in Washington State, and uh, it's a little cold there too, isn't it? Yeah, it's a little chilly. It's not too bad. We've been having ups and downs going on, but it there was a tiny little bit of snow on the ground this morning, just a oh. little sprinkling. So okay, was it gone by this afternoon? I don't know. I haven't been outside yet. Okay, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Trish has been locked in a school. Uh, she's not being held hostage. However, she is a teacher and it might be the same. It, it feels the same. <laughs> Especially this is finals week. So yeah. Oh gosh. It, how can it be finals week? It's only January. Uh, semester. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I introduced uh, our subject today, which is service and how we, how do we think of service? Do we think of service as a uh, something that we do just for our neighbors? Do we think of service as something that we do just for our uh, congregation or whatever church or group or tribe? Do we only serve our tribe? So that's kind of what we're going to talk about. So uh, just a, a little bit, many of you, anybody that follows me on Instagram or Facebook, 
uh, knows that a little bit of our uh, my story, but we had, isn't that weird when you start saying we had, my, my kids and I were talking about that. When people ask you, how many children do you have? Do you say, well, we used to have, and we've all decided, no, we say we have four boys and two girls and that unless the, the conversation goes further than that. But it's very interesting when you start having to put a member of your family in the they were, they he was. It's uh, uh, a rough one, and and I know especially when you have little kids because my daughter passed away pretty young. She was thirteen, and she was the oldest, so I had little, oh. little kids. Oh, and so, yeah, it was a yeah, it was a hard one. Um, but what was that was really hard because people that's the first thing they always ask you is how many kids do you have. And so, you know, you would answer and I, I could not, not claim her. So, you know, I would always say four and then, then the next question always is, and how old are they? And then you're like, uh, well, um, so, so then you're stuck in the, do you say how old she would be? Do you go into the whole story? Like, how do you, it's, it's a hard one. And then usually they feel bad for asking, even though it's a perfect perfectly yeah. question and yeah. yeah it's and I still don't have a good answer I don't <laughs> so what you're saying then is since I'm new to this what you're saying is if you think you're gonna get if you're if you think you're going to get away with just saying we have four boys and two girls it that's not because then they're gonna say how old are they where do they live uh do they live how are they doing? By? Yeah. yeah. Do you have grandchildren you know all that so it is it it is not gonna be a you know. No, but but you get used to it and you kind of, you know, honestly, there are times where it depends on the, the interaction. If this is a quick, like I'm, you know, talking to the checkout person, I will probably just say how old she would be because they don't oh. really care. Yeah. Like, you yeah, know, just, yeah. um, but if it's somebody that I will be interacting with, I'll just tell them. <laughs> I'll just be like, so FYI. <laughs> yeah, I but, still okay. came her. Now, now that brings me up, and and as much as I would love to think that this conversation is gonna is going to follow a fabulous outline and be very organized, I don't think it is because again, I think we are three gals sitting around talking, and this is going to be a very comfortable and common conversation, just as you would if you were all sitting in this room with me. So that Liz, that makes me ask you for your daughter that had a stillborn baby. When people say to her, how many children do you have? What does she say? She counts Grayson. Um, and Stop she it. Of, I almost named TJ Grayson. I oh, love wow. that name. Yeah, she I counts him. I count him when I answer about my grandchildren. And I've had some people go, um, and I'm like, yeah, Danny had a little boy that didn't survive. And they're like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So she's had other children since her, the, he was her first. No, um, he was number, sorry, they have a big family. Oh. Um, he would have been number five and she oh. has since had two more. Okay. So, wow. So she's had five, six, seven, eight kids altogether. Yes. Yeah. She, right? she also had lost, miscarried a set of twins that they um, a few years earlier that they couldn't, the gender wasn't um, oh. obvious. Detectable, yeah. But she's had some really bad endometriosis and 
stuff like that. So, so was he a full term baby? No, Uh, he was, um, I can't remember. Um, he was really small. It was before, I'm sorry. I can't remember how many weeks he was super small. Um, he was only about a foot long and he, but he was complete. Okay. He, we all held him. He had fingernails. He had hair. Oh, wow. He had little eyelashes. He was all there. He just wasn't big enough. (laughs) And he just looked like he was sleeping. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Now that kind of brings me, and this is going to, like I said, this might be a little bit of a mumbo jumbo conversation, but how how did people uh, react right after she she lost this baby? Did she receive the platitudes that I've heard? Uh, oh, well, at least you have four others. Well, at least yes. you're able to have children. Yep. Okay. yep. And did you get that, Trish? Because now she was your oldest, but you had other children. She's my oldest. Yep. Had other children. Um, so I didn't hear any of that, but I did tell you that I had a good story for you in this. Kind yes. Of so um when I married my husband he was not a member of the church and so we did not go through the temple uh when we got married um he did join the church later and um we got sealed and so he and I got sealed together and our oldest um was like three so she went with us and was sealed to us um and then when she passed away at 13 I feel like, should I say, she'll never know. My sister-in-law said to me after she passed away, now, aren't you glad that you guys were sealed together? Because now you know that you'll be together. I'm like, (sighs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not going to punch you in the throat. I may think they're so nice. Yes. Yes. And yeah, yeah, I'm so glad. I mean, I do have to admit that I do think that having the teachings of the church at the time did help me as we were going through this. Um, But no, you don't know. It's not better. (laughs) And, and I, Oh, sorry, Renee. No, go ahead. Liz. go ahead. I was just, you know, that was my first experience with death really other than like people that weren't in my immediate family or elderly. Uh So, um, and we had all left the church and I had been a very, I had had, I had been a young women's president. I had been a relief society president. I knew everybody in the ward boundaries, not just the Mormons. I was a stay at home mom. I took my baby around and visited with everyone every week. Well, or every other week, but anyways, um, I thought we were friends. I thought they loved us. And so when my oldest daughter lost her baby, it wasn't that I was expecting something. Um, it, it just, um, their things were taken away and I, I, I didn't want, I don't know, like the friendship, they weren't really, um, my friends, Like not one, the, the funeral was awkward. Um, Uh, They had a funeral. Was it held at the church? Was it held at the church? People were acting like it was a miscarriage. Um, No, we, we did a non-denominational. Her husband's Catholic. Okay. Um, His parents aren't religious. 
the father of the baby. There's just, we, ha we have all different dynamics. And so we kept it non-denominational and just did a gravesite, of course. Okay. But like hardly no one came and there was no, not one soul. Our bishop, who is actually my husband's cousin that lives right across the street from us, no one, and they're good folks, they're good people, but no one reached out, not one soul, not a card, not a call, and people don't believe wow. me when they say that, but it's true. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's the part that I think is interesting, and that, re that made me look up, I actually looked up what the role of the Relief Society was. As members of the church, we all know that the motto is charity never faileth. We've all been on the list of people to bring over a dinner for little Annabeth who just had a baby. Uh, we know, uh, I, I'm trying to think if anybody ever took dinners in to somebody that didn't have a baby. Like if they were just the flu or... I remember my girlfriend's um, husband fell and broke his heel and um, nobody offered to bring dinners in. She said, you know, I, I find it odd that that he's hurt and our whole family, like I'm having to serve him now like a baby. He can't get up. He can't do anything. I'm helping him do everything. And, and our, you know, I have three kids and and nobody's offering to come over and help. But if, you know, I was hurt. They would be like, oh, my gosh, let me bring over you. Oh, you poor man. Who's fixing you dinner? <laughs> you know, so and I thought true. I never thought about that. But that's true. It's like it's like, oh, if 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 they get hurt, you're like, his wife will take care of it. But if you get hurt, they're like, oh, that poor man. How what what will he do? You know, we are and, worked uh, to death in the church. Women yeah. are worked to death inside. And I mean, your family, your house, your yard, your whatever and the man and then we have all this stuff at church yeah that we have yeah. to do well and i can't find this but i i was looking up it says what is the relief society's purpose it said the relief society helps prepare women for the blessings of eternal life i'm like what about this life let's do this life uh, as they increase faith in heavenly father and jesus christ in his atonement strengthen individuals families and homes through ordinances and covenants and i'm like Again, I don't know where the Relief Society is strengthening my ordinances and covenants and work in unity to help those in need. And but if you look a little further on the uh, list of what the Relief Society, it very specifically says that they serve their. Let me see if I can find I'm going to switch to this. And I'm gonna, if I if you guys, I, I'll be back. If, if, You're if I leave, I'll, let me see what happens if I do this. Well, <laughs> there you go. Can you hear me still? Yeah. yeah. All right. Then just listen. Okay, it says um, the, uh, let's see, the motto is to help those in need. And then it says uh, the Relief Society is a philanthropic educational women's organization, one of the oldest and largest women's organizations in the world. I hate that because it's just a bunch of hoo-hoo. But under, pop. yeah, under compassionate service, it says the Relief Society presidency is responsible for helping the women of the congregation learn welfare principles such as work, self-reliance, provident living, personal and family preparedness, and compassionate service of others. In many congregations, the Relief Society will ask a woman to serve as the compassionate service leader. And so I felt very strongly that that was saying, in the congregation, you will serve the people. 
And it's funny because when I was what, how old are you? 13, 14, I was a my maid. And I was called in to be the my maid president of the class. And I remember the bishop saying to me very specifically, you are not, your, your leadership does not just take the young women, other my maids that are in this ward. Any ward, any young girl that is in our demographic, our ward boundaries is someone who you are also serving. And I've always taken that. If you're a bishop, whoever yeah. falls in your area boundary lines, you are the steward over to serve. And yeah. that's, I always thought that. And so when I read that, that it was very, that even in the, in the Wikipedia, it was very specific that it was more or less the congregation that they, and, and look, it's one person. It isn't her full-time job. She, you know, many of these women that are called to be Relief Society presidents or compassionate service leaders have, you know, 50,000 other things going on. So I think there's only so much people can do. But I think in all three of our situations, what we're saying is we still live in the same house we were in before we resigned our membership from the church. And we've served you before. So because I loved those people, I yeah. love them. Yeah, I still there's still some that I think about. And I'm so hurt because I love them. Yeah. They just didn't love me back. Well, <laughs> I and I know. think what's fascinating is the one of the beauties of the visiting teaching program that was set up, and I, this ministering stuff is just, somebody, stop making Russell Nelson watch television. I don't know where he's getting these ideas, but he comes <laughs> up with these things, and I'm like, what? Stop it. Whatever you're doing, stop it. But the visiting teaching, they would put somebody with me as my companion who I would have never chosen to be a friend with. We had nothing in common. Suddenly, I am learning about this person. I am loving this person. I am loving the people that we've been assigned to serve. I would have never served those people on my own because they're, you know, this lady's, you know, maybe she was 65 at the time and I was 25, you know. Yeah. I, it's such a beautiful program. And then to have, like you're saying, Liz, to have those people just go, oh, she's not one of us. We don't serve her anymore. I mean, my I, mind. I, um, I was just so crushed. And I said to one of my favorite relatives, we had grown up together. Um, we went all through grade school, high school, even came to St. George to go to what back then was Dixie College together. Mm -hmm. And um, we were having our children together. We were, we can't, I mean, we were raising our families as, um, like our kids were brothers and sisters. Right. And right. um I I'm doing a podcast. And um <laughs> sorry. Family, go away. I had an interruption. Yeah. Um yeah. and um I I was trying to tell this cousin how um no one reached out, you know. Right. Like right. you didn't even come to the services or right. like, I'm so hurt and I'm blubbering. Right. I'm snotting. I'm heartbroken. Right. I'm right. still grieving. Right. And he said, why would they? And that why hurts. Those three words still hurt me. Why would they? Yeah. And I'm like, and it was like what you said, Renee, because you're a human because you're someone's neighbor. I'm you're a neighbor. Yeah. I'm your, you know. Like yeah. we were the best of friends, I thought. Wow. Like I loved him more than I did my own brothers. Yeah. 
And well, so just to compare that or to Trish, tell us your, the story of your daughter, because I found it absolutely shocking. And I think the most important thing is when my daughter lost her husband, he was killed in a car accident. She was pregnant with her second child. He was 25 years old. And I sat in her apartment up in Seattle and people would come in with a meal and then they would share their story of how they knew exactly what she was going through because their mother had died at 85. <laughs> that does and I'm happen. Like, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, is that the same though? I mean, you know, I, uh, I think the closer you get in age or the closer, I mean, to have a young person die is so much different than to have a 94 year old person die that you still grieve. I'm yes. not saying that, but I'm just saying, don't tell your story to the person that's grieving. That's not well, what. And I, I do think that this is a kind of a good opportunity for us to kind of share things that we would like to hear or would not like to hear because people don't know. They right. don't know. And and I do think that that's one of the things that is really difficult. One of the reasons people don't reach out is because they're afraid to. They don't want to yeah. make things worse. So they don't do anything. And I think right. that that's part of part of it. Um, right. I also feel like because we are overworked in the church, that sometimes it's really difficult to reach out to someone who's not in the church because we're so like, Absolutely. Down. Like I like I have so many organizations that I'm a part of, like, you know, at school and at like my my children's organ, you know, sports teams or like things like that where people, you know, something happens and people will start the food train or, you know, like that kind yeah. of thing. So it does not have to be church to help each other. And I think sometimes when we are, I'm going to say forced to help each other, because I do feel like that's what happens in the church is that you are then don't have anything left to help people you want to help. Right. Right. Exactly. But anyway, yeah. So, um, yes. Uh, I, so like I'm saying, I think it would be really good for us to kind of share if, if I was to lose someone, what would I like to hear? And Renee, you're definitely right. It's really difficult when you lose someone for someone to come to you and say, I know exactly how you feel. And I don't think anyone should ever say, I know exactly how you feel because you don't, it doesn't matter. I don't care if somebody else lost a child at 13 years old for something close to me. You don't, nobody knows exactly how I feel, but I do think it's okay to say, I, I, I also have hurt in my life, you know, and I, and I know it's awful to be hurting and I'm really sorry that you're hurting like that to me, that's, and, and here's my suggestion for anyone. All you have to say when somebody loses someone is I'm so sorry. Like that's all you need to say is I'm so sorry. Like you don't have to try to make it better. You don't have to come up with reasons. It's going to be okay. You just say, I'm sorry, you know? Right. Right. Um, so my story, uh, I was still uh, very active in the church. Um, it's a crazy story, so I'm going to try to shorten it, but, um, she was a very healthy kid, um, got a strange infection, ended up in the hospital for almost a month on ICU, um, and, uh, ended up passing away. The crazy part was that we were literally across the country from where we were living at the time, military, so we had moved. Um, but where we were at the time, we did have, because we'd come back to visit, we did have friends at the church and everything there. And 
they were so supportive. They were very supportive through the entire month, which was crazy because they basically took care of our kids for a month. Like we had, we had friends that would take our kids during the week. They had them at their house, took them to school with their kids, all the things. And then they'd bring them to us on the weekend so that we could see them. But we, because it was perfect that we would be able to spend that time with our older daughter who was in the hospital. And well, and just to clarify, you were living on the East coast in the military. You were visiting the West coast and that's when she got sick. So you were not in your home ward. We were not in our home ward. Um, So we were, so our, our ward that we knew on the West coast was actually in Bremerton, Washington, which is across the Bay from Seattle. Um, and she was in Seattle Children's Hospital. So okay. it was a good two-ish hours around to, you know, from from our our home ward that really wasn't our home ward, our old home ward in Bremerton. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where people like kept our kids and would bring them to us. And so they really did serve us. I mean, they really did. Um, right. It was very sweet. Um, we even got like, like, oh, I want to, wrong word, wrong word, not money, but like vouchers, vouchers, um, oh. because we didn't have clothes for a month. Like oh, we yeah. packed for a weekend, right? You're on vacation. Yeah. yeah. And then my husband, so it was just my daughter and I who came to visit. So when my daughter got sick, I had to call my husband and he had to fly all the way across the country with three little kids. And of course he didn't, I mean, we don't know how long we're going to be there. He's, he packed last minute, all the things. Right, right. So the church even gave us vouchers to go to like Goodwill uh, or DI, I don't remember, um, and get clothes and stuff. So right, I mean, right. I, I did feel very supported and right. it, yeah, it was fantastic. When, when she passed away, we had a funeral there in Bremerton because we'd only left there about six months before. So okay. we had a lot of friends there. She had a ton of friends there. Um, and so, and that's where she had done um, competitive gymnastics. So she had Aww. a gymnastics team there and like all, yeah, all the things. So right. it was really kind of neat that we were able to have the funeral there. Um, but I was in no, no way that I could actually get the funeral, like do all the things. And right. really the Relief Society president there pretty much did the whole thing. Like I, oh. I just said, I can't do it. I trust you. You plan it. And I mean, they asked me a few things like what we wanted her dressed in and somebody made her this beautiful white dress with oh. a pink bow. I mean, just you know, all the things, like literally all the things. And we showed up, basically showed up to the funeral with everything done. It was beautiful. And that's lovely. Yeah. And see that, that just emphasizes Liz, what you were saying is that the people are so overworked and stressed that I can see what they did, what those people did for you, Trish, was above and beyond everything else they were that was going on in their life at that time. Yep. And then yep. for the Relief Society to yep. plan the funeral and, and bring the food. I can see where someone would say to you, Liz, well, what did you expect? You left the club. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not okay. But yeah, yeah, it's like we're so busy. Who how do you think we're supposed to serve everybody? How do you think we're supposed to do that? And you choose you chose to leave. What did you expect was going to happen? I mean, you can almost, it's like I was saying, I was not a good servant because I was so overwhelmed taking care of my own son that when other people would say, would you take care of so-and-so's 
you know, could you take care of so-and-so? And I'd be like, sure, why not? And I was, and I didn't serve happily because I was already I mean, exhausted. Yeah. that I. And so know, I can I, see why, but there's also, like you say, but are you my neighbor? Yeah. Are yeah. you my uncle? Are you my best friend that I spent 25 years with? So that's when you start going, I get it. I get it. You're right. I chose to leave the club, but I'm a human and I'm still your neighbor. Yeah. But you know, but I, 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 uh, so that, that's the part where you start going, let me think about this. And I think what I'm going to do is use this as a learning tool to realize that I, I was guilty of that myself. I was like, look, I'm already serving in the temple once a week. I have a calling on Sunday. I have six little kids, one of them severely disabled. Seriously, you know, and and that is what the 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 piling on will do. It it takes away. I, I've heard other people, and I want to make something clear too that I said because I don't want to hurt I, I really don't want to hurt people. I, I love Trish what you said about it's not when people say oh yeah, I know how you're feeling. My mother died too. It's not that you, it, that's not the same experience. It's, it's the fact, what they're trying to say is I've lost someone important to me in my life. Yeah. That's all they're saying. And, yes. and, and so, and I get that. And I appreciated the people that would say that to me, as long as the, I, I just keep going back to this lady that stood in my daughter's kitchen and went on and on and on and on and on about this 84 year old woman. And I'm like, could you just drop off the casserole and go away? You know, well, so, yeah. I, do, I do think there's, you have to be careful that you're not making it about yourself. That's you it. Know? That's and and it. I, think, yeah. I think that's what it is. I think there's a difference between like, you know, I want you to know that I also hurt and I, and I, and I, yes. I'm sorry that you are also hurting and, you know, yes. But, or, you know, oh, well, let me tell you about my pain. <laughs> yes, that's exactly uh, it. it. That's exactly it. And that, that, and I, it's so funny, you guys, I, there's been like a weird, you know, because everybody, our brains naturally try to make sense out of things that happen. And we do that by telling stories. Yeah. We make up a story that, that, that tries to create some kind of order in our brains. So two years ago, I spoke at Sunstone for the very first time. And my subject was uh, why I left the church. And I predominantly spoke about how when my youngest son was born, he had a very difficult birth. He ha uh, was taken up to Oregon Health Science and, and had immediate surgery. And the entire time my husband was in the stake presidency, uh, was never released. No one from the stake presidency came. No one from our ward came to the hospital. I had five little children at home. And in fact, I, my son who spoke at the celebration of life, my oldest son says, I remember when my mom went into labor, I was nine years old. She woke me up and she said, grandma and grandpa are on their way, but you guys just stay in your rooms and don't come out of your rooms until grandma and grandpa gets here. So I left five kids. The young, oldest was nine. The youngest was two. And I left them home. And I was thinking, why didn't I call a relief society? Why didn't I call a visiting teacher or our home teacher? Where were the neighbors that I could call? I called my parents-in-law who lived in, you know, we were in Northeast Portland. They were in Clackamas, Oregon. 
So that's the only people we could think of to call. That's sad. There was something missing in that ward as far as compassionate service was going on. So that was my first year. My second year, last year, I spoke at Sunstone and the topic was silly platitudes that people say when people are grieving. Now, we were not grieving at the time. Funny. But I was reading all of these books like everything doesn't happen for a reason or some of the other things silly people say. I forget what the names of some of these books were, but I had done all this study on silly things people say to people when they've lost, they've had a loss or something like that. And I, at the time, was relating it to having a severely disabled child and have people say to you, well, God gave him to you. He knew you were strong enough to take him and things like that. That's how I related it. Suddenly now I'm like, oh, was I being prepared? Because now I'm getting the platitudes. God needed an angel. Mm-hmm. He's with God now. And I'm like, is he though? Because I don't have to know that to be to be comforted, you know? Exactly. So it's interesting. It's interesting. So um, so so Trish, you're how long after she died were you able to to have a funeral? Oh, it was actually pretty quick because, wow. well, we ended up having what we uh, like to refer refer to as the traveling funeral because oh. so we had a funeral there in Washington. We didn't know where to bury her because we moved around all the time military. Yeah. So yeah. she is buried next to my dad in Southern oh, Utah. So cool. we took her down to, so we went from Washington state down to Southern Utah and she, we had a graveside service there. And then when we got back to our house in Connecticut, back on the East coast, we had a memorial service because we also uh, had friends and, you know, she had friends and everybody wanted to do something there. So three. And that Great. is stretching that grief out for where across the United States. But mm-hmm. I'm glad. I'm so glad you had people that reached out. Yeah. yeah. Yes. No, I yes. felt very, very supported the entire time. It was it was really nice. Yes, that's that's. And that helped that really. I mean, obviously, with three little kids, um, it would have been impossible. I can't imagine. And I and I used to say that I'd say, hey, we move. You have an instant family. You have instant friends. One of that's a beauty of the church. Yeah. You have an instant connection. You could like you. You could go on vacation. Somebody would call a bishop, right there. Yeah. You know, um, and I love that about the community. What I didn't realize before was how inclusive that community mm-hmm. was. Yeah. And I think for me, honestly, I think if my husband and I both had left the church. I wouldn't have been surprised at all. I would have been like, yeah, I get it. We left. It's our choice. We left. I get it. It's not your job. But the fact that he's still a member of the ward and people called him, that's what blew my mind. It's like, who are you talking to, honey? Oh, that was the bishop. The bishop called you. Would the bishop like to talk to me? You know? I mean, that that really blew my mind. I'm the one that carried the child, my body, my... yeah. Everything I was the that one we... that took him to church, you know, <sighs> but that, that so, surprised me. Cause I knew those people like you, Liz, I knew you three years ago when COVID, before COVID hit. It's you so know. crushing. Yeah. So I just wonder, do you, do you wonder if they're, they think they're doing the right thing because like, maybe you don't want to hear from the church. Mm-hmm. I don't, do you, I don't I think so. And I think you guys, I'm going to have as a guest a couple in a few weeks, I'm going to have Katie Harmon on, 
who she was a guest on Mormon Stories. I think it's uh, episode 1720. It was it was two years ago. She had she had a child that was also born with a diaphragmatic hernia, mm-hmm. uh, like my son was. Uh, he's he's like seven years old now. But she talked about how she thinks. If I'm, I'm please, Katie, forgive me if I'm paraphrasing <laughs> you wrong. But what she said was, because we have the teachings that we are, our bodies are made whole right afterwards, uh, we will be perfect. Mm -hmm. And that everything is set up in a perfectionist mindset. Mm -hmm. The only thing that LDS people can think of is, uh, well, what is a perfect scenario Mm -hmm. for me to console you with? What kind Mm -hmm. of a perfection story can I tell you? And so that's why people don't like, she said one time she went to church and she said, she finally just, someone said, how are you doing? And she said, I'm not doing well. And the lady said, I don't know how to respond to that. And Katie just said, and she goes, how about if you just say I'm doing okay? Then and Katie said, I know, but she said, she honestly, the lady did not know how to respond to I'm hurting. I'm not doing very well because that's not what we want to hear. Oh, I'm so glad we were sealed in the temple. Oh, I'm so glad that we'll be together as a family. Oh, I'm so glad that he's now in a better place. Yes. And that's the consoling that they get. And so they don't know how to respond to, I don't know where he's at. I don't, it doesn't really matter to me. He's not with us anymore. Um, and I grieve that, but I don't have to have a visual of a nursery in a mansion in heaven for me to have some kind of peace. So that would be, yeah, that would be my next thing that I would say people for advice is especially if you know that someone is grieving, if you know, someone is going through something rough, do not say, how are you doing? Unless you (laughs) want to know. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly right. How can someone <laughs> are be you doing ready well? for the response? Yeah, yeah. How can anyone be doing well? Uh, no, yeah. Um, because I, you have the fullness of the gospel, and you know that you'll be together as a family. Everything's fine. What are you talking about you know, fine. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna. If it's okay, I'm gonna talk about our son, son in law. Yes, that was. Okay. I was just gonna ask you to tell your story because that's a I completely just, different scenario. This was a okay. So I have the we're not in the church, and I already have the fear from what happened when the baby was stillborn, and then suicide, death by suicide is so taboo. I still hear stuff from people about the old McConkey teachings that you know going to hell, Mm -hmm. and um, here we have this okay, so um. My son had a best friend. Um, he, his parents were going through a terrible divorce. I mean, to the point where like there were, his father had fathered other children in other states and different things that were coming out. It was, it was very bad. Um, and this 14 year old boy was just thoroughly upset and I moved him in with us. And, um, Anyway, as time went by, he, he and my um, younger daughter started crushing on each other. It was so cute. Anyone, I like puppy love in your home. It's just the best thing. I also had another son that got his girlfriend. 
pregnant and they moved in. I just loved it. I couldn't even <laughs> see the sin in like, it or anything. You're a, yeah, you're I was, a, well, at that time we had a big house and room and anyway, but, um, these two were just so cute. I mean, I think I was in love. I just, and he, by the time they got married when they were 18, um, I just felt like he was one of our children and he was a very cautious, very quiet, very accomplished young man. Um, by the time they were 24, they had, they had sold their third house, which he remodeled. He worked all day, would come home and remodel. They sold a house in Ivan's. Then they went to Vegas, sold it, sold one. Wow. And then they bought um, a house with a big shop. He was a welder. He worked for a big, he got transferred down to Las Vegas into uh, working for a big sign company, um, had just received his crane operator's license. He wow. had his CDL. Um, he was a certified diesel mechanic before he graduated high school. Just a very, very accomplished young man. Um, um, he was really... He had grown up in um, L.A. and was, you know, very cautious about locking doors, things that in Utah we weren't, you know, I'm just learning to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he that irritated him, leaving keys in cars, you know, all this stuff that's not safe. And um, he taught me some things. He put a flagpole in our yard and had it powder coated, something I had wanted for years. He, if I, we needed new ceiling fans and he'd see him is sitting in the garage. He was the one, come on, you guys, let's hang up grandma's ceiling fans. And Aww. that just to give you an idea. And then he, his mother was eventually single and he was always helping her Aww. giving, giving, giving. Right. Um, I didn't see it coming. I, um, and then, sorry, I don't even know where to go. Um, it was just like a dream it, or yeah. not a dream, a nightmare. Yeah, I, remember, I know what you're saying. Um, the, he, it, my daughter, they had, anyway, I, I don't even know what to say, but it was surreal. And then everything just went wrong. And, um, and then I, my sister in Vegas, insisted on my daughter had him cremated and his family was saying the most horrible things to my little girl and you know she's 24 years old she has a baby that's a year old um I realized the last few months of his life he had been a real uh angry frustrated was being mean to her was uh you know frightening her um and she had lost a ton of weight. Um, she was under 100 pounds. Wow. Um, and then his family starts calling her. What did you do? You know, accusing her of all accusing these things. Accusing her. And his body's yeah. still in the house. Uh, we had trouble getting the coroner. And it, it was just a real, um, very tragic thing for me. And then um, he was my son's best friend. Yeah. My daughter's husband. Right. And our son. And I because I think I've because we've raised adopted children, I 
I can only see him as a son. Right. And um, my sister in Vegas got a hold of her bishop who was actually skiing at Brian Head. I, this man was so wonderful. Um, I didn't, I didn't want to do a funeral or anything, and my daughter didn't. We just wanted to go home. And um, her ward, this, um, my, we ended up telling the bishop, you know, my oldest son wants to officiate, and he's gay. He plays piano, and this wonderful bishop gave all the permissions. And we said, you know, there'll be people in work boots. You know, he worked construction and we wanted, um, anyway, um, we ended up doing that in um, Vegas. But it was just a big, uh, crazy uh, tornado, you know, like, I don't know. And so I think what I what I hear you saying is, kind of the roulette thing again, where you had a bishop who rallied your family together and you had a a, a, a funeral in a steakhouse, in a chapel, LDS chapel. Yeah. And, you know, in, in, and so in comparison, you have a, a, a troubled young man, you have a family that's grieving. It, it was, it was, you know, like you, Trish, it was shocking. It was, uh, n there wasn't a long history of illness or anything like that. And they rallied together. So you've got both, you've had experience with both where people rallied around you that you didn't, you know, even know and that they well. Weren't my, I didn't know what, yeah. not one person that yeah. prepared the flowers or the, oh even, my gosh. you know, there were people from his work um, that came and, and did things. And I, I mean, I, there were just so many people involved in their lives as a couple that I, I didn't even know. Yeah, and I certainly didn't know anyone from my sister's ward because I has already left the church. But I, and, and I think that goes back, Trish, to what what all three of us are saying. So we chose not to have a funeral or anything in Arizona because we'd only we've only been there for four and a half years, and then between COVID, so there was two yeah. years that we weren't even going to church, and so you know people only knew him for maybe a year before COVID hit. And in fact, because when we first moved here, we were renting a house. So we were in a different ward. And then we moved into the house that we built. We were in a different ward. So we'd only been there for a little over a year before COVID hit. And then after COVID hit, there was another year that I didn't attend because I stayed home with him. And so nobody really knew him. They, they've all seen him and everybody loved him. Of course, he just radiated love. Aww. So we decided to have a celebration of life back in Oregon. And the people that came were the people that loved us and they loved him. They had stories of him. I had one lady, I was, I, I couldn't believe she showed up because she was a primary president or in the primary presidency. And she would insist, where's TJ? And he was past primary age. He was way over the age of 12, but she said, he loves music. He loves primary. He will be in this primary and you go, get out of here. We got him. We got him. And he would sit in the back of the room and she would stand there with him and he would sing with all the kids. And she came, you know, and it was that those are the people. And I, I had one guy come up to me and if you're listening, hi, you know who you are. <laughs> he came up to me and he said, I listened to your podcast. <laughs> and I was like, you do? He goes, yeah, we love you. You know, and I mean, those are the people that were there. 
And then there were the people that weren't there because they're so brokenhearted that I've left the church. It just, it breaks their heart that I've left the church. And it's like, okay, well, you were my friend, like you, like you, Liz, you were my friend for 25 years and your children are not active. Why does it break your heart that I am not active in the church? How about your kids? You love your kids. You love your grandkids that aren't in the church, but I have just broken your heart and you don't know why my husband stays with me. That's the comment, you know? So they don't show up even though they have memories of him because we were together all the time. And so here's my best friend that was supposed to be my best friend that was with me and him. Cause if we were going somewhere half the time, we had to take him with us. And we always laughed when I was like, good thing you can't talk TJ. Cause you tell everybody our stories, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but she couldn't come because it just, you know, I'm not a member of the church. So she's just, and it, over it. the whole thing is it wasn't about you it was about no. tj it was about him and it was just about yeah so the people that loved us and that loved him they took time out of their saturday to be there it was amazing and then people that my husband worked with called him and i had people like you guys that reached out to me and so it really lets you know what true service is and what love is what this is what love is and it and, feels uh, Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. It just, it feels so much better. I realized um, after we came home from Eddie's services and stuff, we did stay at my sister's house a couple more days just because, and we yeah. had stayed at Aliante until we didn't have a dime left. Credit, like all of us, our children, every, we were tapped out. Yeah. And um, I came home and I made a post on Facebook because, um, I brought Carly and her baby home with me and I just, I got on Facebook and I said, I'm dead broke and I need diapers. And I listed uh, a few things and <laughs> there were people that brought truckloads of stuff from Costco that I would never be able to pay for back. No. Someone and were they just died. random, just random people? No, they were, they, they weren't church people they were our friends and that was the first time I realized uh, yeah there are you know uh the church makes you believe that you need them yeah yeah <laughs> and I it just kind of I just realized I'm gonna be okay yeah as a non-member because yeah. there are people that still love me yeah and that's what we found too Liz our neighbors got a basket together they've they've all Chimed yes. in together and got us some wind chimes that we can every time we you know hear the wind chimes we can think of him these are our neighbors they're all different you know they all came from different parts of the united states and and they're not you know they all belong to different denominations or i don't even know some of them are even religious and whatnot that that was like i said i i now look at the world completely differently and i've heard other people say that once they left the church, they realized that when they went and shoveled their friend's driveway or took the garbage cans in or offered to babysit or took over a meal, they did it out of love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it feels so yeah. much when people yeah. uh, jump or just come because they want to. Yeah. Just because they want to and they love you. And, and that, I asked yeah. for help. I was one of those people that... I wasn't a gracious um, receiver. 
And yeah. until then, and then I realized it's it's important to receive. Mm-hmm. That's so true. So true. And that is the problem with being an independent, self-reliant person. Sometimes you aren't a very good receiver, for sure. Trish, how old was your, the other three children, how old were they at the time that you lost your daughter? Um, eight, six, and four, somewhere in there. Um, so the, the eight-year-old probably has pretty distinct memories. I think he remembers the other two, not really, especially the youngest one doesn't remember. So how do you celebrate her in your family with the kids, like the four-year-old that really doesn't have any memories, but she probably does now because they've been. Yeah, we've, we've implanted the memories for her. Yes. Yes. Um, Lots of pictures as it was actually really sad too, because um, my oldest was kind of her little second mom, you know, she was always the one carrying her around and, you know, making sure she's okay. And so we have actually a lot of pictures with them together because she carry her around and stuff. Yeah. She um, was her baby. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So, um, so we would every year. Oh, and actually I did not realize that your son passed away on Christmas. Yeah. My daughter passed away on Easter. Oh, oh. <laughs> these kids. I'm like, come on, dude. You know? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So that's always a hard one too. I do have to admit that, you know, at first it was kind of nice that she passed away on Easter. Like the remembrance of the resurrection was yeah. really kind of cool. But I think um, now that I've left the church, I mean, it doesn't, I mean, it is what it, it is. It's just matter. another day. But that brings a lot of peace, really. Yeah. You know, when I can look at Christmas as the 25th of December yeah. and a, a really fun, I love the music and, you know, yeah. all of that. And so it's not as, I don't know, I don't know why it just. I'm not getting to the decorating Olympics. and yeah. Yeah, Oh, you guys, this is so off topic, but this will crack you up. So we like to go cut a Christmas tree up in the woods. Like we get the $5 like thing and we go up in the woods and cut our Christmas tree. So our daughter came home from college and it's like her favorite thing. So we waited till she came home and we went up and cut down our Christmas tree. It was huge. We got a little carried away. It was huge. We brought it home. How tall are our ceilings? Let's see. Yeah. It did fit in our house, but okay. barely. And um, we put it up and we we're like, oh, we'll decorate it later. We'll decorate it later. We never decorated the tree. It just there. And we called it, we just called it our bare Christmas tree, like the net all natural Christmas tree. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> I, you know, and that was another story I told in my head because I, I mean, and I think it, you know, he was very sick. He was surgery October, November, and December. So I said to my husband, look, we have all the kids over for Thanksgiving. Nobody's coming for Christmas. We're not going to be having a party or anything like that. Nothing. I am putting up nothing, you know. And after he died, I said, boy, am I glad I don't have Christmas decorations. I have to take down. Yes. Oh, and this year, it was so freeing to just like enjoy being together with the kids and, you know, just kind of doing what we wanted and being lazy and I didn't have to decorate. I didn't have to undecorate. It was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. A, a couple of times we took our children on a vacation and I never did a tree. I'd never did neighbor's gifts. We just got the H out of Dodge. And yeah, I, you know, that's something 
like since I've left the church, I don't feel like I have to do, you know, I can do go as big as I want if I'm feeling good that year. Yeah. Yeah. Or I can I can do as little as I want. And I have year <laughs> not this yeah. year, but the, a couple of years ago, I barely got a family dollar tree up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and I have to remember, and my husband is so good about this because normally he doesn't care about any kind of decorations, but he was like, we, we had gone out, we had gone to Utah. Uh, this was before he passed away. And he said, I bought you a present. And I said, what? And he goes, he, he goes, um, I know you love nativity scenes. So he got me this really cool little like African nativity scene. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet that you think I still like nativity scenes. But I, I collected nativity scenes yes. all these years. I've collected them. I loved them. I got one in Italy and I, you know, and this kind of thing. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to hang on to those nativity scenes. The one, because it's a story. It's, it's a mythology, mythology as far as I believe. It's a mythology as far as the divinity. But there is a, this most historians agree that there was a Jesus that lived on the earth Yes, and there was Except, a Mary and there was yeah. a Joseph, but the whole virgin birth thing and the whole divinity, you know, that's all whatever. But I thought, Hey, you know what? I have some favorite movies that I love and I have favorite books that I love. And, and these are kind of cool. They're from, they're from, you know, some Africa or this one's from Italy or this one we got when we were in, Jordan. So I'm not going to get rid of that, you know? Yes. So, yeah. and I thought he, he kind of set this little nativity scene up kind of like, is it okay if I have like a Jesus thing at Christmas time? I'm like, uh Oh, I, I probably need to think about him a little bit more maybe, you know? So, well, Renee, yeah. let me answer your question real quick because it, so this is a little, so it's been, I was just counting it up 15 ish years since she passed away. Um, so at first we did a lot of remembrances on Easter, which, cause it was just oh, a good day to remember her and yes. we would have like a picnic. So we would go find a place um, that was beautiful at first. So our, um, Bishop in Connecticut actually got permission to plant a tree on church property oh. for her. I know. I like, I don't think that ever happened in Utah. Shh. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely yeah, not. But um, yeah. so there's a pretty tree with pink blossoms that blooms <gasps> every spring. Um, <sighs> and so that was where we would go have our picnic is we would take a blanket and put it under the tree and have a little picnic there. And we'd bring all of the scrapbooks of her and remember her. And sometimes we'd have her friends come and kind of hang out with us. And so we did that for a few years. We did not stay in Connecticut long because that's military for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we tried to kind of keep something like that going. But then depending on where you live, it's actually pretty cold near Easter time. So picnics do not happen. So sometimes we'd have a picnic inside a gym or something somewhere. But we did notice as the years went on that it was we, we didn't want Easter to be like sad for the kids uh, and stuff. Uh, and so yeah. Um, we kind of started switching it to her birthday. So oh. instead of the remembrance being on her death day, it was her birthday. And so oh, I like we that. still usually Me do too. something, something little, like she had the weirdest thing. She loved salt and vinegar chips dipped in marshmallow fluff. Uh, uh. 
Oh, wow. That's bad. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. It's sweet and sour. Sweet and yes, I don't know what to yes, tell you. So yeah. that's, we will usually have that on her birthday. We'll take a picture of us all with our chips and our, you know, Aww. so just something little, just that's a little remembrance. Cool. But, um, and the kids, like I, like you said, I don't know how much they remember, remember, but it's a good, yeah. you know, just, yeah, it's just still part of our lives. And, yeah. and you, you know, what's really great, um, and I, are, is there anything that you do, Liz, as a remembrance or because it was a suicide and there was some other stuff going on? What is it just better that we remember the good times or how do you handle that? Um, we planted a weeping willow. Such a great um, idea. Here on our property and kind of had a, a candlelight vigil with just our family oh. and, um, Everybody helped kind of plant the tree and then we lit candles and set around the base of the tree. Um, we, um, I had a niece that had some books made for my grandson oh. with, a, with all of the interactions. She just pulled pictures off of Facebook. Um, and so link, my grandson has those, um, you know, has access yeah. to those. How um, old is he now? He just had his fifth birthday out oh. in January. Oh, um, so sad. I just, every once in a while, I'll still hear something from even inside my own family, my siblings about, you know, the, if you can, if you you know, death by suicide, you're oh. going to hell. Oh. Um, that hurts. Yeah. My biggest pain has been um, as much as he's been missed. He, I just feel, I just want to look, I want a window for just three seconds. Yeah. Just so you could see. <laughs> because they have to miss us too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They wake every, you know. And it, it's so, it's so odd because my grandson, the week on the anniversary of his um, father's death, he, my daughter goes to the gym and he got, he got kicked out of the gym and told he couldn't ever come back. And I know it was his little cells in his body. Yep. Just because he's not naughty all the time. Right, yep. right, right. Yeah, it's it's interesting what we don't realize because I was telling my my kids and I were all talking and I said, you know, all my kids are close together. Most of them are two years apart. I have a couple of them that are 18 months apart. So as the mother, I looked at them collectively. Right. But mm -hmm. they had they were these three and these three because these kids were, you know, nine, seven and five. And these guys were all together in middle school and high school. Mm -hmm. So you know, my oldest was nine when he was born. So when he left at 18, this kid is still in elementary school and he's still a baby. And that's how he remembers him. So mm -hmm. he doesn't have the memories that my son, who was the next one up from him, have completely different memories. And I was like, well, of course, why didn't I why didn't I think of that? You weren't there. You, you know, I, my younger, younger brother is eight years younger. So he was eight 
when I left. So in for eternity, this child will be 10 years old. You know, for the rest of my life, he will be 10 years old. I have no memories yeah. of him in junior high or high school. And so that's what you forget is that, oh, you weren't there. Oh, you didn't know that. Oh, you have to be told the stories, but you will create a, a love through the stories that we're going to give you and share with you and the pictures and things like that. There's our youngest grandchild is um, four. So she won't remember except for through other stories and things like that. But the, the one of the beautiful things was um, I have a grandson that's um, autistic and my other grandson said to his mom, my daughter, wow, listening to you guys tell your stories, I realized that's our stories with, with their son. That's how, you know, he's nonverbal. He, you know, doesn't, he's completely, you know, in his own little world. And he just realized, oh, that's our story too. Mm. And it really touched his heart. This little, this little 13 year old boy really touched his heart that, oh, that's our story. And it was, and it was, it was beautiful. So anyway, I, I appreciate you guys sharing your stories tonight. And I do think Trish, is there anything else that we can do to, like you said, to get rid of the silly platitudes, to say <laughs> that we don't say things like, like Liz, like we don't put a judgment on how someone died or we don't put a judgment or we don't try to tell our story when someone else is grieving or we don't try to say typical Christian things. We don't even know where these people are religiously. Why, do, why does he... Why does America if, assume everybody's Christian? That's yeah. that's a whole nother podcast. And even know? if they are Christian, you don't know what they believe in their heart. I mean, you don't I know. I know there's there's so many derivatives, even to Christianity, even inside right. Mormonism. Yep. Right, right. It's nutters. Yeah. Yeah. So to say, oh, I know that he's with his grandma and grandpa now, or oh, I know. That he's mm -hmm. much happier. It's like you don't know anything, but mm -hmm. so that annoys me. Know. I don't want to yeah. be told those things, and it's not as comforting as people think. No, it's not. Yeah. So here, my opinion, and you guys tell me what you think about this. But my opinion is, first of all, I would rather it's uncomfortable if you don't say anything. Like you can't just keep walking around pretending nothing happened. Like you yeah, can't. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. don't just like walk past or say hi or whatever. If you haven't, if you haven't said something, I feel like you right. should say something, but if you don't know what to say, all you need to say is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're going through this. And that's mm -hmm. it. Like that's, that's all it. you need to say. Yeah. yeah. And, and you, if you know them better and you want to like in, you know, engage then that's fine. But I, that's all you need to say. And exactly. that my other thing that I would say is, also, don't feel bad to ask what they need. So if you want to help and you don't know what they need, there's absolutely nothing wrong with saying to them, what can I do? What do you right. need? And, right. and maybe have some ideas. Like, if I bring you some granola bars, would that help? Because yeah. you guys know what it's like when you're grieving. You don't eat. You, no. you just don't eat. And, and you don't. When all this food goes in the garbage because mm -hmm. you're not hungry. My daughter lost so much weight. Even though mm -hmm. she was pregnant, she just, yeah, she couldn't eat. And yeah. like, like I was telling a friend, it was, oh no, it was, it was, well, friends, I was texting you guys and I said, people just need to understand, we don't want a tuna casserole. We want chocolate chip cookies. Yes. It's like, you know, <laughs> don't, yeah. 
Nobody wants a casserole. I want cookies. Or send a pizza. I, I got <laughs> yeah. so tired. I used to, yeah. st I started sending people pizza. Yeah, oh, everybody like Domino's loves pizza. Or Liz, you know, I started doing that too, because you know what happens is that you end up with all this food because yeah. people are trying to be kind and listen, it is kind. It, it, it is. is. It is. Um, yeah. But I was like, so what I started doing is I bring them frozen pizzas and like a bag of salad. And I'm like, this is for when you actually need it. Oh, <laughs> like, that's Chris, so I smart. love you. You want to know something crazy about me? Um, I, I would go to Walmart, get a frozen lasagna, a bag of salad, a six pack of soda or 12 if, and a box of ice creams. And I would hang it on their door in the Walmart or Smith's bag and knock and run away. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> by the way, Trish, or Liz, by the way, you are now in the witness protection program. I don't know if you know this or not, but you are silhouetted by your back window and completely I dark. I know. I'm like, so, my phone, okay. I have to have you've a hidden plugged in. your identity. You can claim a new I'm identity. I'm always if you'd causing like to. problems. I'm always, <laughs> did you hear the cow? Did you hear the no. cow? In the, okay, good. I, I got so nervous. Well, no, I'm we sad used to live across the, the street from. Yeah, me too. Because we used to live across the street from a pasture, and there were cows all over. And I decided somehow that those were mine. And I'm like, oh, my cows are out. How great! I loved, I loved, I love cows. I do too. See, there you are again. The woman, people. The woman makes bread, cheese, butter, wine, uh, honey. What was that other thing you were making the other day? Vanilla. I make my vanilla. own extracts. Yes, vanilla okay, so extract. Now, hold on, hold on. So that means Renee and I need to come to Liz's house for a girls weekend. She get oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so if you are in need and you have and you need someone to bring you something, just call Liz because Trish and I are going to give you a lasagna. You know, uh -huh. from Walmart. frozen pizza. Yep. Yeah. Liz is going to give you homemade vanilla extract, perhaps homemade bread and some cheese. So except, you will not. Yeah. Except Liz is getting better about having that stuff for her own family. That's exactly. right. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. That's what we do. <laughs> You know, and that was one of the greatest things I heard one time. Uh, someone said, uh, you know, how it was like every every member of missionary and and our role as mothers was to, um, you know, all this missionary pressure. And I, I remember hearing this talk one time and, and they said, um, um, if you are a mother, raising your children right now is missionary work. I was like, thank you. Thank like you. It. it just, yeah, it took so much pressure off me. Uh, the pressure is crazy. Well, thank you ladies for sharing your stories and being so vulnerable tonight. And, and I appreciate your input and your comments and your reaching out when, <laughs> you know, for me was, was so wonderful. I, I, you know, here again, here's two great friends that I've never met in real life. This is what I love about social media. Don't ever talk me too. to me about social media. Cause it is amazing. I love I it. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, Liz, go turn on the lights and uh, Trish, you turn okay. off the lights and go home. That's my plan. <laughs> okay. All right. Good night. See you later. Bye-bye. Good night. Bye-bye. Okay. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed our conversation. And I'd love for you to message me if you have any stories of your own or any advice, I would love to share any comments that you might have about how 
what helped you the most when you were going through grief? Uh, comments that people made that were very, very um, uh, soothing and helpful. I would love to know that. And I'd love to share that um, on a recap at some point. And I would like, if you are interested, if you have a story to tell, please reach out to me. Shebecamevisible.org. Please tell me your story. And I want you also to remember that um, I am under the Mormon uh, Discussions umbrella and they are a nonprofit and they completely, uh, the time and the effort that the, especially the historically directed podcasts have, the research and the history and the things that they do, uh, it takes up so much time. If you feel compelled to donate, it would be so lovely. And I just heard, the saddest news ever. And that was that Amazon was, was stopping their Amazon smile program because I had signed up Mormonism, uh, Mormon discussions um, as my smile. And so every time I bought something on Amazon, they would receive a donation. I'm very sad that that's, that's going away, but I will be making up for it because I would not miss one of the podcasts that are under the Mormon discussions umbrella in a heartbeat. You can, if you want to know where I'm at on Wednesday nights, I am somewhere watching, if it's on my phone or if it's in my room, somewhere I'm watching Mormonism Live. And um, I have a great, I, I love um, um, uh, Ramiumpton uh, Ruminations. I love that one. Um, I love all of the podcasts that are, I love history. I love learning. I love learning new facts. And these things, these things take time and they take effort. So if you feel compelled to donate a little bit to Mormon, dis, uh, Mormon uh, discussions, please do so. You can do it on the website and um, I'm sure that they would really appreciate it. So have a good week. I hope 2023 is treating all of you kindly and that you're looking forward to what it's going to unfold for you. We certainly are as a family. It's definitely a new chapter in our lives. And we look forward to seeing what how this new year is going to unfold for us as well. So thank you so much. And we will talk to you all again. Bye-bye.